listeners. This is Cameron DeWitt from Think Outside the Box Set, the internet's only hot take machine. Normally those hot takes are about recording artists and their discographies of studio albums and comparing the pieces of art that are albums to the public personas of these artists and the impressions of those artists and, uh, you know, coming up with the definitive take on each one. So look at our past uh, hundreds of episodes to get all these hot takes about Garth Brooks. You probably needed a hot take about Garth Brooks or Insane Clown Posse, etc. Go check all that out. We're not doing that this week because a while ago, my co-host Nathan Hunt decided to go back to school, which I think is a very foolish thing to do. Uh, ironically. Uh, and that means that every once in a while, he has uh, a load of homework that um, he is unable to complete in a timely manner, or he has a test to prepare for or whatever. And that means that we can't do an episode, uh, or we have to do an episode late. And whenever that happens, I try to get around to posting something. And this week, I thought it would be really nice to post one of my favorite uh, Patreon bonus episodes. The uh, uh, we, we have the show What's in the Box Weekly. It's like a little warm-up show for the main feed. It's usually a little bit shorter. Sometimes it's almost as long <laughs> as the normal show, but normally it's around 30 minutes. And um, we just talk about TV, movies, books, concepts, food, anything that we've been... Uh, consuming either literally or figuratively throughout the week or recently. And uh, yeah, we, we used to just kind of do that anyway on record. And we were like, why don't we just make a, its own separate Patreon feed of us doing that uh, so that, you know, our normal episodes can be a little bit more focused. And, you know, it's to some extent worked. Uh, so this is an episode it's uh, What's in the Box Weekly, episode 101, I believe. And we recorded this, I think, in December. It was in the middle, I think, of the Taylor Swift season. And uh, this is about the Netflix show The Haunting of Bly Manor, the sequel season to The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, and Nathan and I both watched it. Um, Becca is there, too, but only pipes in a little bit because she hasn't actually seen this one. Uh, I know that she's a, a normal part of that season, the Taylor Swift season. She's our resident Taylor Swift expert. Um, so she pipes in a little bit. But mostly it's just the two of us kind of complaining uh well, I don't want to spoil it, but we have we have some hot takes about Bly House or Bly Manor, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think this is a, a, a lovely little example of what we do every week for the people who help chip in and fund the show. And, uh, you know, I mean, this show isn't like a huge amount of effort, but we do have to edit it and we do have to pay for hosting and uh, and we have to do it with some degree of consistency. And, you know, it means a lot when people can actually chip in. And, uh, you know, all we're asking is for a, a very uh, marginal amount of money for a lot of folks, at least. Um, that I would imagine, uh, you know, it's just, it's not like we're asking you to do a whole another streaming service, uh, sign up here. It's uh, pretty low. So, um, you can find a link to the Patreon in the, uh, in the show notes for this episode, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, I hope that after listening to this, you might think, oh, wow, I could, I could, uh, I could use a little bit of extra time with, uh, with these two doofuses every week. And, uh, 
And if you do sign up on the Patreon, then not only can you have a little bit more time with us each week, but you can go back and listen to the, like I said, you know, over a hundred episodes that we've recorded and some movie reviews. We sometimes we watch movies uh, that are related to the seasons. Like we watched, (laughs) watched and reviewed a couple ICP movies. Uh, We did Mamma Mia for ABBA, et cetera. And, you know, we'll, likely do some more uh we've been threatening to do eight mile for quite a while but uh it's i think we'll i think we'll get around to doing that when uh when we're all vaccinated and we can actually hang out together so anyway sorry for no britney spears this week i hope you enjoy this instead and uh i hope you feel moved uh to support the show on a monthly basis and just chip in a little bit, a little bit of spare change. And, uh, you know, I would say if, if you're unable to do that or unwilling to do that and you listen to the show regularly, please consider sharing the show with a friend. Uh, you know, maybe if you are aware of that friend, you know, being interested in the music of one of the artists that we've covered, you can get them started on that season. Just send them a little link. If they're, uh, If they're an Apple Podcast listener, send them an Apple Podcast link. If they use overcast.fm, send them one of those. Or just send them to boxset.website and uh, tell them to click on the links there. Whatever. Just uh, let people know uh, what's going on over here and think outside the box set. Well, thanks for uh, letting me do this little spiel. Sorry again for no Britney Spears this week. Uh, We will, um, homework allowing, continue next week. Thanks for listening, and without further ado, here is What's in the Box Weekly, episode 101, The Haunting of Bly Manor, final word. Yeah. Okay. See if I care. If I can find where I put the... There it is. Okay, I found it. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Hey, welcome to What's in the Box Weekly, supporters, y'all. You guys support us, so thanks, I guess. Um... Yeah, we like you. We do like you. Thank you. And I can't I can't speak for the others, but I I like like you. Oh, I like liking them. I think that's as far as I can go. <laughs> I like like liking them. Mm, uh, uh. <laughs> should we <laughs> Beck is here. Oh yeah. Say hi Becca. I mic in I mic in them. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh I'm, I'm trying to work on my Cockney rhyming slang, so that'll be fun. She that'll be a fun bit I'll be doing by myself. The concept at all. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just explained yeah, it to not her even again, to how and it works. it's still not. <laughs> no, why does why doesn't Mike and qualify? Because it's Mike not a is word. Mike and Ike, which rhymes with like. And well, Mike. <laughs> okay, I did, it. I did it right. All right, that's a bit of a troll, but yeah, you'd have to say I, I like you, and I'm good at it. <laughs> okay. Yes. You so that's what's in the box is Cockney it. rhyming Everyone? Um, Becca, do you have something to do in the box before Nathan and I go off on uh, go Haunting off of Bly Manor? Go off on hand, Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we, we both finished the Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, <laughs> and needless to say, we were not impressed. Um, there were a couple strong episodes by the middle of the season, uh, but the very end... Uh, well, the, the whole back half of the season is not good, and especially quite bad in the last, what, two episodes? Uh, I especially thought the last two episodes were bad, yes. Yeah, they were really rough. Um, the second to last episode... 
I keep changing my Skype background and camera keeps reacting to it. <laughs> um, yeah, so the second to last episode is a like origin story. Like not quite a flashback episode, but a um it goes all the way back to the sixteen hundreds and you get to see uh why it's all haunty and ghosty and stuff in Bly Manor. Yeah, the origin of the Lady of the Lake, who is the faceless violent woman who wanders around the grounds and occasionally strangles people for taking her jewelry. Mm-hmm. Wait, why is it all spoopy? I didn't hear that part. Well, Nathan's about to explain. Uh, oh, because would somebody explain that? When Can women somebody, get sick, they turn anyone? into monsters. And also when Wait, they what? try to have control over their own destinies, they turn into monsters. <laughs> Don't lean in, folks. Don't do <laughs> you it. better lean not out. lean in. Lean way out. <laughs> lean away. <laughs> Here, I'm just going to... Let me just lean back here. Lean, oh, this is very precarious. I'm not going to do that. That's not like a cholo. No, it's not. More like a chode. Um, lean like a chode. <laughs> Cameron, that's gross. Why would you say that? It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not what I implied. Um, yeah, so we, it, it it's in black and white because, you know, they had only developed black and white photography in the 1600s. <laughs> Uh, so there's that. Uh, Mike Flanagan's yeah, wife like, shows up again. Why didn't they like rotoscope it or something to make it look like the portraits or like I don't know? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I you don't need to put it in black and white, guys. Like we, yeah, yeah. Um, Mike Flanagan's wife shows up. She plays Viola. She was. They should have uh, put it in like low frame rate, so <laughs> low <like> poly. <laughs> <laughs> they should have done silent, rendered it on like a PS one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have had like a tack piano. They should have made it look like the original Animal Crossing. Yeah, that would have been nice. I would like that. Um. Yeah. And yeah, so Viola inherits Bly Manor. Basically, she's the Lady of Bly Manor. She marries some dude. This this t- thing it takes like seventy minutes, and you could it could have been like a five minute just insert scene, and instead it's an entire episode of like seventy minutes long. Yeah, or like sprinkled throughout the entire series. Yeah, or something. I don't or know anything. Instead, or we anything have to watch else. a whole episode about it, and it just it goes With on a bunch so of characters long. we don't care about. It's so boring. Bunch of people, and it's mostly told in um like voiceover and summary. So it's like, yeah, you don't even really get to understand like who these characters are and what's happening, really. Um, and it just it goes on for so long; it's interminable. Uh, the Lady of Bly Manor, Viola, uh, she wants to keep it hers, Bly Manor, and she wants uh, the manor to be passed down to her daughter that she has with this dude that she marries, some boring ass white dude. Um, which I'm sure there's a lot of those in England in the 1600s. I think um, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're all. Very interesting. They're so the interesting. <laughs> um, and so she has this baby, and she's going to pass Bly Manor down to it. But then she gets sick, and uh, she manages to hold on for, like, five years, even though she's sick. And like everyone who gets sick, she turns into a total monster who's, like, accusing her sister of trying to steal her husband and everything. Um, yeah, so that's that's not great. I read I was reading the AV Club, like, reviews of each episode, and they were pointing out that's just like a very bad old ableist trope um and then uh her sister strangles her spoiler alert and she becomes a ghost because she has such a a force of will that she wants to stick around and continue to have blind manor be hers and uh 
Yeah, because she was trying to prevent Bly Manor from being stolen by other people. <clears throat> so, Cameron put it as, like, the most feminist character is, like, the ultimate villain of the series. Yeah, I mean, feminist in, in a way, in just the sense that she's, I don't know, like, her 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 desire to um, not have to put up with patriarchy or to participate in the systems that are generally patriarchal, but on her own terms, mm-hmm. you know, it's nuanced. It's not like she's like, she's I don't know, Sh- intersectional Cheryl. feminist. Right. Yeah. Sandberg over here. If she had a pussy hat, <laughs> it would definitely be pink. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I guess that makes sense. I guess that's a thing you could say. That does make sense. Do you know about that? Because <laughs> uh, it's the Susan Kamen thing? Is it? No, I mean, like, that. The the whole the criticism of like the the women's march on on washington is that it's sort of taken over by by like a lot of white non-intersectional feminists um and that the the pink sort of uh i feel like people colloquially colloquially call them the pussy hats and i hope i'm not speaking out like that, I'm I mean, calling them the wrong. Thing. I believe that's what they're called, but it's. I mean, cat hat is just. It's right there. It's like such a better name. Cat, <laughs> cat hat. and hat. Cat hat. Uh, like the song by the Ritz. So they're supposed to sort of like vaguely resemble a vulva, um, and but they're Dude, all pink. They, no, they and, don't. No, they're not meant to. Do, they're, they're meant to look like kitty ears, right? Are you serious? Am I? Am I thinking of the wrong thing? All right, I'm looking up pussy hats, and I'm oh. not even bothering going into in- incognito. <laughs> Here we go. Pussy hats. Oh, um, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. Okay, uh, I'll turn the safe search on. They're, they're just cat ears. What are you talking about? Um, all right. Well, the, thi- the thing is, like, there were a lot of people that were, that were pissed off that I can't believe we're not talking about Bly Manor right now. There were a lot of people. There were a lot of people that were like, "This is a great example of um, non-intersectional white f- uh, f- feminist, uh, uh, etc." <laughs> because uh, <laughs> because because they're they were like pink pussy hats instead of like brown or whatever, and they look like white women's genitals. Oh, I see. That was the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so different color pussy hats. Are you is that what you're um, searching for now? Yep. Oh boy. This uh, is uh, well. This yeah, has been a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, this isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the honking of Bly Manor. Um, yeah. So that that whole episode's a t- total total write off. Total dud. Fucking sucks. Um, it's super boring, and it sucks all the energy out of the show before moving into the finale, in which it is revealed that. Um, the character arc from one of the main women of color is to accept her fate as a magical Negro and to help the white people, uh, and to accept her fate as being dead. Um, and let's see the, the other black women, like by the end of the show, both the black women are dead. So they, they kill all their black women. Uh, there's also a, is it so, so far every black character in the series has been killed. That's right. I mean, including the previous anthology season, right? Yep, because there were, were there black characters. There's one black character, and he is basically just fridged. Oh shit! Speaking of fridged, they uh, they what is that? Is the trope called bury your gaze? Yes. Yeah, they do that too on um, one of the main characters. Uh, 
So that's not great. It gets real tropey in that kind of way. Um, but mostly it just like, so the, the, the second half of the season sets up this like dangerous situation where a ghosty grabs the main character by the throat. And the last time that happened to somebody, they were killed. They were dragged around for like, like 20 minutes, uh, through the hallways and into a pond. Through the hallways of the house, outdoors, Whee! and into a pond. Yeah, exactly. It was like a, it was like a theme park ride. So the last time that happened, somebody died. And so they set that up where the main character gets nabbed by the throat in the same way. And they just dispense with that in like the first five minutes of the last episode. And then the rest of the episode is just this long, not very good romance. Again, mostly told in like summary and, and voiceover uh, and like vignette and almost almost like a montage of the this uh lesbian relationship between two of the main characters and how the main character is is now possessed by the ghost and is just waiting for her to surface and and fuck shit up and so that's what most of the last episode is is just watching these two people and their uh not very convincing or uh deep romance um and it yeah <laughs> And then they get back to the whole frame story of it in which it is revealed that Carla Gugino has, is the, uh, is the grown up gardener and the gardener is, has like this like Northern England accent and Carla Gugino is like 20% of it just being present. Not even just like whether or not she pulls it off. It's just actually present like 20% of the time. I don't, they, I do not know. They have so many American actors trying to put on various accents from the British Isles and they are not good. Not a single one of them is good. <laughs> they have, they have yeah, the, the dad I, from uh, the first season and he, he's got a very posh voice like quite at the back of his throat <laughs> and he kind of talks like this. And this, is, this is like the only way that he can speak a sentence. <sighs> And then Carla Gugino is like just fading in and out of dropping her R's, and that's basically as much as she can do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's not great. Um, yeah. And and like basically the the whole thing that <clears throat> it made me very mad that the only character who portray who has any kind of class consciousness in the show is one of the villains. Um, so the I I don't know if you if you've spoken about the setup, but the idea is there's this like upper crust British family who own this manor, Bly Manor, and the main characters in the show are the essentially the servants, the people who work there, the gardener, the cook, the driver, uh, the governess, the au pair, and um, the the only character who like even remarks upon the weirdness of this like class situation is a big time villain, and. Uh, yeah, and that's not great. And so all of our main characters that we love and we spent time with and are all the lower class characters of the show, they all do a bunch of self-sacrifice, including several of them, their lives, so that uh, some wealthy British twats can be happy. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't use that word, but that's that's the kind of word <laughs> them British people use. <laughs> yeah. That part sucks, and ultimately, in order to like make the uh, the lady of the lake, um, I mean, she still is a ghost, and she never moves on or whatever. But in order to like pacify her, um, uh, the the au pair, the governess, needs to um, sacrifice herself 
mm-hmm. and ends up killing herself in the lake. And that's one of the gays that is buried, mm-hmm. uh, gays that are buried. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it's, it's shitty for a couple of reasons. One is because it's like, okay, it's another like servant class person. Um, yeah. Sacrificing themselves for an aristocrat, an aristocrat. Right. Who is just so devoted to uh, being a proprietarian mm-hmm. and and uh, her possessions, like literally her jewelry in her house, that she won't let go. Um, yeah, exactly. Like even beyond death, which is an interesting metaphor. If that's hypothetically, hypothetically, it could if they had, be like, an interesting metaphor, metaphor for intergenerational wealth and that being a ghost. Yeah. Um, and like a thing that haunts you, um, or haunts other people who don't have it. Mm-hmm. But that is obviously not the answer. In I, they don't even really address that as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's the really shitty thing at the end. Is like I I guess there's there's probably room for horror stories being valuable for just being spooky, mm-hmm. um, and not having metaphorical weight or something. Uh, I can't necessarily think of any examples, but I just saw one last night, actually. Really? Just just spooky. uh, The, uh, the, uh, what's, what's it called when you cut up a a dead person? Autopsy. The Uh, autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, um, it tried, I think it tries a little bit for social commentary, but it, it, it's pretty half hearted quarter hearted. Um, Uh it doesn't really do it. It gets a, it definitely gets like bogged down in like backstory and exposition and stuff in the second half. But, Mostly, it's just a very frightening, very effective spook em up. Um, so that's like it's extremely scary. So if people want to watch a very scary movie, go check out the autopsy of Jane Doe. It does not seem to have much of a pretense for like using the haunting as any kind of metaphor or anything. Right. the The stories in that genre that mean the most to me are they have some sort of metaphorical weight, even if it's not a direct allegory, right. but there's something about it that is horrifying or, or unnerving or unsettling that r- resonates with something like, you know, in my experience, in my right. non-supernatural experience. And that's like why it's nice, but it's like, I don't know what the purpose is of this main character. Um, having to die so that this, you know, uh, centuries-old ghost can be um, calmed down. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't. I don't. I guess it, she, that's not a very. It's not satisfying. She ends the curse on Bly Manor, but like, who gives a shit? Just like knock it down and build some affordable housing on top. <laughs> like the. <laughs> I mean, I don't, like who cares if like she frees the this dumb old house from the curse? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she frees a bunch of. I guess she frees a bunch of like other servants and doctors and other other spirits, but oh yeah, the ghosties can be free now again. So that's that's yeah, something. yeah. But it's also just like, why did that action do that? I don't think it actually makes any sense. It's not like any price had to be paid. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, and it's all so very it feels hand-wavy. cheap and lazy, and it feels like they just killed this character uh, because they had to do something. They had to do and something. They had to yeah. tell a story. Because it was their jobs to write a story for Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> also, this I'm starting to think that, that 
Mike Flanagan has like mom issues and he's just making us listen to him <laughs> about all his mom issues. I thought he did a good job with it in the first one. Yeah, I agree. It's like ultimately this one ended up being about that too. His more but, recent stuff I haven't been so much a fan of. Like uh Doctor Sleep was it was fine, but it wasn't amazing. That's his more recent movie. Um Yeah, I remember you saying you like Gerald's game. I'd like Gerald's game quite a bit, yeah. Um It's a Stephen King adaptation on netflix i haven't watched it yeah um yeah so oh and then the the real kicker um is that this whole thing is being told as a frame story and like i said carly gugino is like the gardener character all grown up and you get to see the little kid get married or like the night before the wedding um and the person she's marrying is fucking greg sestero from the room oh hi mark himself oh yeah oh weird it's 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 mark from the room uh and he i didn't put that together he is so bad like all of the people in in the future time like frame story thing are so bad at acting it's incredible rachel and i just burst out laughing like greg sestero had like one line and he's like i'm i'm going to bed i love you and he just he just like delivers it so wooden and so weird we just like burst out laughing the expert yeah basically yeah it was exactly like that he has not gotten any better at acting <laughs> since the room 16 years ago shit yeah so i don't know not recommended there is there was a couple good episodes in the first half of the season but yeah i would not recommend the show after all yeah i'm excited about maybe like i don't know watching more movies that the character that the actor who played owen is in yeah he was shows. great he's, and he's, he's got fantastic. such a good mustache he's so charismatic I always, his mustache is excellent. I always wish that I could be like one of those guys that has like the the very like tall, just like <laughs> very uh, dark, just very thick mustache, like a Frank Zappa stash. That looks so good. It's, it's like the only mustaches that look good if you only have a mustache. If I just do it like this, it just looks weird and thin, and especially if I smile. I think you look great. Nah, shut. It looks better than my mustache. <laughs> I've never seen you with a mustache. There's a reason. <laughs> uh, we should close up the box. Let's close up the box. Now, let's close up the box. Now let's close up the box. 